Well, it's my privilege to uh, be here with you tonight, and uh, my wife, Roxanne, and uh, this June we celebrate uh, uh, 40 years marriage. Now, for some of you, that's just a little ways, but for us, that's a big milestone. And uh, I was thinking about that. You know, preachers are always trying to spiritualize things, aren't they? You know, so uh, 40 years, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, didn't they? Then they crossed over to the promised land. So those of you that have been married more than 40 years, does it get better? Well, I didn't hear much. <laughs> yes. Then, you know, uh, Moses went uh, 40 days and 40 nights, didn't he? Yeah. Noah was 40 days. You know, it rained. And after 40 days, it finally quit raining and the sun came out. So after 40 years, the sun should come out and the Birds should start singing, everything should get better, and we'll cross over, amen, to the promised land. But we're rejoicing tonight what God has done for us, for us, and uh, you're looking tonight at uh, a young man that uh, was saved after riding a Sunday school bus to Sunday school. Amen. And uh, if you're a Sunday school teacher here today, tonight, I would like to encourage you to be faithful in your place where God has put you. And uh, there I was, I rode that bus, went to Sunday school, the teenage Sunday school class. And uh, some of you remember what the 1970s looked like. I looked like that, okay? I actually had hair back then. I, mean, I wish I had a portion of that now. <laughs> and uh, sat in that Sunday school classroom and uh, the teacher opened his Bible and began to talk about heaven and hell. And I got saved. Never heard the preacher. Didn't know anything about a choir singing. Didn't know anything about congregation, about church. Didn't know anything about that. But I got saved there in that Sunday school classroom. Uh, during church service, uh, the teacher was also the song leader. And he said to me, now when we give the invitation, I want you to come forward and tell the church what happened in Sunday school. Well, I didn't know what an invitation was. They sang several verses and finally he came down the aisle and got me. He said, it's time to come now. And, you know, and uh, that's where I was. But all those years, one, a couple years later, God called me to preach. And, and uh, we've been preaching now since 1979. And uh, the Lord's done some great things in my life. Now, I'm not a better preacher. I hadn't gotten any better. Just gotten longer. <laughs> hadn't got any better. But uh, uh, we served in Jamaica uh, from uh, 19... Uh, we joined BIMI in 1987 and uh, were there until 2002. And uh, we served out the home office with BIMI. And let me put a little plug in there uh, for the home office and uh, for missionary support systems. And uh, we're there. Now, I do a lot of things. I take care of the properties. I manage the, the maintenance on the properties and uh, uh, small fleet of vehicles we have. Uh, the warehouse where things are coming and going and shipping to the missionaries. I help with logistics. Sometimes, you know, I just sit and listen to the missionary talk to me. Sometimes he's got something to say he can't say to his pastor. Sometimes he's got something to say he can't say to his field director. And uh, sometimes he's got something to say that he doesn't want anybody else to hear. And one of the good things about me now is that I don't remember everything everybody says to me. <laughs> 
you know. And, uh, but the Lord's been so good to us, so good to us. Pastor mentioned our family, yes. We have four children, nine grandchildren. All of them, all of them in one capacity or another are in the Lord's work, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, uh, my grandson, is, uh, the Lord's called him to preach now, and so he's started some preaching, and uh, that's, that's a blessing, amen? amen. And uh, I try to remember, and, and they probably will, you know, tune in to me sometime or another, and they'll probably say, Pappy, don't say anything about us, but I pray for them. I pray for them. Grandparents, you need to pray every day, every day, for your grandchildren. That God will use them and God will bless them and God will help them. God will make them a blessing. Pray that way. Now, tonight uh, we have just a few moments and I want to speak uh, to you tonight uh, from my heart, from the book of Jude. The the book of Jude. Uh, This, uh, the last chapter... The last chapter of the book of Jude. Jude is a marvelous book. It's the 26th book of the New Testament. And uh, it's coming up to the very end of the New Testament. Uh, Jude was one of those uh, writers of the New Testament, very few of them, that were not apostles. Some of you can think of some of the others. Uh, writers of the New Testament, they were not apostles. Jude was one of those. Man, he wrote some great things. Uh, most of the time... Most of the time, it can be a pretty negative book. And most of the time, you hear some pretty negative preaching from the book of Jude. But I want to try to tonight to point out some positive things in the book of Jude. And I want to relate it to our age, to what we're doing, and of course, my heart being for world evangelism. And I've given my life to that, and I'm not going to change. And uh, that's my commitment, and that's where I'm going. And uh, I'm rejoicing in that. Now notice with me in your Bible. The Bible says in Jude chapter number 1 and verse number 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto unto you, and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there, that's as far as we'll go there, look with me in verse number 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in love, in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Our Father, we thank you tonight for your help, Lord, as we look through the Scriptures. I pray, Lord, that you'll encourage your people. I pray that you'll enlighten them and empower them tonight. I pray that you'll help us and help your speaker, help your preacher. Help me, Lord, tonight that I may be a blessing to your people. Lord, we want to be an encouragement to you, to your people. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So we look into the book of Jude. Jude has a a very simple example and a very simple uh, outline in the book of Jude. Uh, Verse number uh, 1 and 2 being by way of introduction. Verse 3 and uh, down through verse number 19. Uh, contending for the faith. 
And probably when you hear the book of Jude, you think of that verse, that famous verse there, uh, where it says uh, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. And that's a great portion of Scripture. And uh, then continuing in the faith, verse number 20 through verse number 21, let's continue in the faith. And then converting uh, to the faith in verse number 22 through verse Number 23, we find converting to the faith. Uh, this is a great book. And I want to encourage you always to read your Bible and study your Bible. I am so amazed at people that never read their Bible. They go to church. They listen to the preacher. Uh, they listen to a few good songs and they say, that's good enough. That's all I need. Uh, young people, I want to tell you the very best thing you can do in your Christian life is to spend time in your Bible, reading your Bible, and studying your Bible, and thinking about your Bible. When I got saved, uh, I, of course, had been just sort of drifted along through school, and uh, I, I wasn't able to read very well and so forth, and my family moved around a lot and all that, and uh, we won't want to go a lot of that kind of thing tonight, but I want to tell you, uh, when, I, when I got saved, uh, my pastor came to me the next week and he gave me a Bible. And I said, wow, pastor, somebody gave me something free. This is great. He said, I want you to read. read uh, I want, he opened it up to Matthew and he said, I want you to start reading here. And I said, well, how much do I need to read? And he said, well, just one of these chapters. Man, I struggled with that. I struggled with that. Oh, it was hard for me, but it was a blessing in the end. My pastor would come to me and say, uh, Tim, did you read this week? You see, he held me accountable. And it's a blessing to read. You know, there's a blessing in God's Word found in the book of Revelation for those that read the Word of God. And I want to tell you this, morning, or this evening that there's a blessing for you tonight. Now, there's some things I want to point out in the book of Jude. The first few verses... Speaks about Jude. His, by way of introduction, he calls himself a servant. Calls himself a servant. Uh, very few men in the New Testament call themselves servants. And we like to call ourselves servants. We call our church service, don't we? We say we're being a servant for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I, uh, we like to be servants. I want to give you a little thought about being a servant. A servant has no rights. Do you know that? Servant, I don't have a right to my life. I'm a servant. If I'm going to be a servant, I'm not going to have control of my life. I'm going to do what the Master tells me to do. Uh, first of all, the, the good servant will not disobey the Master. Amen? Amen? Doesn't do it. A good servant will not question the Master. He will not quarrel with other servants. Are you with me? It's not my job to straighten out what brother so-and-so is doing. All right? That's between the Lord and him. My job is to do what God has told me to do. Good servant never questions. A good servant never quarrels. And a good servant never quits. Are you with me? Just the other week, I was privileged to be part of the BIMI team that honored um, Mrs. Johnny Todd, on her 50th year serving as a BIMI missionary. 
Can you imagine that? Some of you have been married 50 years. Can you imagine being on the mission field for 50 years? That's great. And it was an honor to serve there. But you know what? One of these days, there's going to be a ceremony that'll be a lot grander than that. Oh my. We ought to be not quitters. Not quitters. I'm not going to quit. Bad times will come. Difficulties will come. Uh, uh, problems will arise in your life and in your ministry. But just don't quit. Young people, just don't quit. Just keep going. Just keep following the Lord. Just keep serving no matter what happens. Just keep at it. And you'll be a good servant. Now we say here, he, we talk about that. There's some things there that, that describe the servant. He, he's described as a man of mercy. He's described as a man of peace. He's described as a man of love and all those things. But when, he begin, when Jude begins to write uh, this book and he begins to uh, talk to the church, and by the way, uh, the book of Jude is written to the church. It's written to the church in the day and age uh, that, that uh, Jude was living, and it's written to the church today. The Bible is alive. It is written to you and I today. Every time I pick up my Bible, I discover that it's alive in my hands. And I find new things in that Bible. It's a living book. Now, don't misunderstand me. Okay? There's some people that have hijacked good terminology. The Bible is alive and it's the living book. Amen. This Bible we're talking about. God's Word for you and I. James or Jude is writing to us and we, we, we discover about it. We discover that he talks about the common salvation. By way of introduction, let me say, salvation is common. By that I mean everybody is saved the same way. They were saved the same way in Jamaica as they're saved here. They're saved the same way in Fiji as they're saved here. They're saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other salvation. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now I want to tell you not only that, we discover about the servant. He's a preacher of salvation. He talks about salvation. He's carrying the message. But I want you to follow with me in verse number 20. Verse number 20. Now verse number 4 through verse number 19. Those of you that are Bible scholars and read your Bible and study it and all that, and don't go down looking through there now. But from verse number 4 to verse number 19, it's kind of discouraging. Because he says there are certain men, and unawares, and he's talking about the church, and we all know that today. There's a whole crowd of people that crept in unawares and, and they, they bring all that stuff into the church. and they've been, They were doing it in the day of Jude. There, there's tares among the weeds. And they're doing it in our day the same way. They hadn't changed. That's the devil's crowd. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them tonight. But I want you to look at verse number 20. When you get discouraged, when you get downhearted, when you get depressed... When you get defeated, look at verse number 20. It says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Now what did he say in verse number 3? He says, contending for the faith. And then here he says to us, 
says to you and I, we're to build up ourselves. Now, I alluded to it a while ago. It is not your preacher's job, your pastor's job, to come along and just pat you along and help you every minute, every day. Whenever every kind of little something comes along. Okay? You ought to have such a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that you can come boldly before His throne and you can bring your difficulties, you can bring your problems, you can bring your cares. The Bible says casting all your care upon Him. Not talking about your pastor, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will help you. Listen, He's the one. He's the one. Now I'm glad we have good pastors and I'm glad you have a great pastor here. And I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. I understand that. But I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus Christ is a chief shepherd. And we're to bring things to Him. He says, but, but ye beloved, building up yourselves, it is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's not your husband's responsibility, ladies for your spiritual condition. Oh, I'm sorry. He has an input into it. He has a, the oversight and all that kind of thing. But ladies, ultimately, your attitude about your spirituality comes from you. The actions of your spirituality comes from you. The avenues of your spirituality comes from you. And, and so it is. Every individual has a responsibility. Teenagers, don't say, it's daddy's fault, it's mommy's fault. They won't do this or won't do that. I want to do this. And I, no, no. Take the responsibility. It's yours. Build up yourselves. Now, Pastor mentioned, I'm a builder. I like to build. Man, we, I, I've built, helped build churches all through the Caribbean, different places, and lay block. Oh, don't tell anybody that. Done some electrical work. Oh, done some plumbing. All, you know, put the roofs on, all that kind of, little buildings. I believe, I like that kind of thing. I have a tendency that way. I, somebody said I have a gift. I, I tell them I have some gifts I haven't opened yet. Okay. One of them, this is the closest I've ever been to singing in the choir. <laughs> Building up yourselves. We're to build up ourselves. Here's some ways we can build up ourselves. Notice the first thing it says. Building up ourselves in the Holy Ghost. We're to build up ourselves in the Holy Ghost. Oh, preacher, you're stepping off in deep water. No, I'm stepping off on Bible. He says, build up yourself by praying in the Holy Ghost. What is he talking about? Praying spiritually. Praying in the will of the Holy Ghost. Letting the Holy Ghost direct your prayer. And we could talk about praying practically. We could talk about praying personally. We could talk about praying with the promises of God in our lives and in our minds. But what, we wanna, what I want you to understand is... Prayer is vital 
to your Christian life. We said something a while ago about reading your Bible. Let me tell you something else about prayer. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down strongholds. Talking about prayer. Prayer is vital to a Christian's life. <laughs> I do not understand how any Christian can go through their life without prayer. I mean, I find myself driving down the road praying. I find myself having my coffee in the morning praying. I find myself every time somebody comes to me and starts talking to me praying, you know. I mean, I, I think communication is important with the Lord. Don't you know that's why God made man and put him in the garden? And every evening he came and walked. And they had communication together. Oh my. We ought to be people of prayer. Because there's power in our prayer. And there's purpose in our prayer. We ought to be building up ourselves with prayer. Now notice what else he says here. He says, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Hey. I talked about us being married 40 years this year, and I, I have two sons. And I recently told my two sons that I love their mother more now than I did when we got married. It wasn't long after I was saved, maybe a year or so, I was sitting in church about the third or fourth row back over here where the teenagers sit, you know. And... Uh, uh, the back door opened to the church, and this family came into the church. New family to a little small church there. And they came up, and they sat over there somewhere. And I looked back there, and there was this uh, blue-eyed, blonde, blonde-haired, beautiful girl wearing a yellow dress, preacher, with a red rose. Huh? And I said, my buddy was sitting next to me. I said, Danny, I'm going to marry that girl. He said, What? I said, yeah, see that girl back there? He said, you don't even know her. I said, I'm going to marry her. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I was so excited a couple years later when she asked me to marry her. <laughs> Man, <laughs> wasn't that great? And, and by the way, by the way, young people, we have only had one big fight in our life. And I didn't see her for three days in our marriage. And on the third day, my left eye opened up just a little bit. <laughs> he says, keeping in love. You know, and all you married people know, you have to do things to stay in love. Huh? Communication's one of them. Special events is another. Doing things for them. And uh, we, we, there's a lot of things that you have to do to stay in love. In love. Now you, you say, well, if I told her I loved her the day we got married, and if I ever change my mind, I'll let her know. Well, that's the wrong thing. That doesn't work. Huh? Every time I do something wrong, I say, honey, I love you. I'm sorry. Huh? I love you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. All right? Keeping in the love of God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter number 4, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Man, we need to keep in love in our mind. It's a battle for the Christian in the mind. The battle is in your mind. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to stay in love with the Lord. I've discovered some people that have been saved 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and somehow or another, they've fallen out of love with the Lord. Huh? They don't love to go to church. They don't love good preaching. They don't love good music. They're bitter. They're backslidden. And they're bad. Huh? But I want to tell you, you don't have to be that way. You don't have to be that way. As I'm uh, coming along now, you know, it's my desire to finish well. It's my desire to finish well. And I'm striving and working towards finishing my course well. I don't want to be known as one of those preachers that made it almost to the end and got bitter. Among preachers, sometimes they say something like this. Well, he struck the rock like Moses instead of speaking to the rock. No, I want to be one that does what God wants me to do Amen. all the way right. to the end. Being faithful to the end. Notice what he says. He says here, keeping yourselves in the love. Now look, I said all that by way of introduction just to get to my message. And I've used up all my time. So I'm going to use it to you. I'm going to give it to you. He says, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, as we discover the book of Jude, and we read through it, we find in verse number 14. Now I'm just going to step along here, okay? And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds. One of the first things I realized after I got saved that Jesus was coming back. Do you know the next great event on God's calendar is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's, that, that, that's the next greatest event. Now my pastor, Brother Thompson, Bill Thompson back in the day, I would hear him preaching about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and he thought he was coming back that evening. All right? Now I want to tell you something. He very well could come back tonight. He very well could come back tonight. Do you know the theme of the New Testament the theme of the New Testament is the uniting of Jesus Christ and His people. Amen. The coming of Jesus Christ. Every book of the New Testament refers to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Every book. You say, I don't believe that. I said, well, read it for yourself and find it. It's there. Every book. Notice what it said here. He said it there. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That's a reference to Deuteronomy 
uh, chapter number 32 talking about that. And uh, then some other things. We could spend a lot of time in that. And uh, then he said here, Also, we're looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now be careful when you read your Bible because it'll tell you the truth. Life is eternal. He says, we're, we're to look for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I tell you tonight that we're to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to look for His soon return. We're to look for His soon return. You know, Jesus is coming back. He said in John number 14, He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. He said, For in My Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, Behold, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, He said, I will come again. Now that's a promise you can bank on. Jesus said He's coming back. Not only did Jesus say it, the Bible says that there were two men that stood by them in white apparel. Said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall come again. In like manner as ye have seen Him go. So we find two witnesses. Jesus Himself, those two angels there in the book of Acts. And now we find Jude saying it. We find Enoch saying it. And so I want to tell you, it's true. It's true. He's coming back. Now notice what else it says. He says, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, how does that relate to the return of Jesus Christ? Don't you know? He has said that His mercy endureth to every generation. In Psalms, I think it's 132, every verse, every verse in that psalm refers to the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's mercy, His mercy, that's in reference here, that His mercy is this, that we don't have to endure it anymore. He's coming back. Oh man, what a promise you and I have. But I want to tell you, there's some things about this promise that we ought to understand. Titus, Paul wrote in Titus this, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, they're one and the same. The same. The great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here. And we're going to finish up right here. And some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I want to tell you tonight, we're talking about, you say, preacher, brother Tim, you didn't say much about missions. Well, I'm just sort of winding down into there. Notice what it says. And some have compassion, making a difference. You and I need to be people of compassion. Now, I have a hard time with that. I really do. I'm not good at this mercy thing. I'm not good at this love thing. Okay? I'm not good at this peace thing. 
listen, if you want to fight, I'm the guy, okay? I'm the bus kid, okay? You know, I'm the, okay. Then he tells me here, then, then he tells me here in this verse that, that you know, that, that I'm supposed to have compassion. And you know, the Lord has a funny way of doing things. You know my address? I'll just give it to you. It's 6634 Compassion Lane. <laughs> I don't know why the Lord put me there. Okay? I have a hard... Look, I, my attitude's always been, man, you made that bed, you lie in it. If you make a dumb mistake, dumb things happen. Bad things happen to people that make bad choices. I mean, you know, now that's not really biblical, okay? The biblical thing is for us to have compassion. You know, some people you can have compassion and be a witness to. Then notice what else this text says. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. 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 He said, and some save with fear. Who's, whose fear is this we're talking about? It's not their fear. It's our fear. The fear we have that they will be lost forever with no hope. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 20, there was a great white throne, him that sat upon it. They were judged, every man out of the books. The Bible says in those verses that they were cast into the lake of fire. Now listen, I'm an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, hellfire-preaching. It's real. Hell's a real place. It's a real place. We talk about missions, and you, Pastor was talking about your giving to missions. And, man, that is great. That's wonderful. I'm for it. Hallelujah. And the reason we do that is we, because we understand that eternal life, life is eternal, and people will either spend eternity in heaven or they spend eternity in hell. There's no place in between. And he says, in snatching them out of the fire, pulling them out of the fire. We could talk a lot more about that, but by way of invitation, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. We ought to have such a fear that our friends and our family members are going to spend eternity separated from God in eternal fire that it will make a difference in the way we live. Amen. That's what we ought to do. Let's stand together and pray.